Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hi everyone, this is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline, reporting from the sun. It's very hot. It's over 105. My thing said 100 and a... Don't tell me. I can't face it. I can't face the truth. So I will be sticking with 105. The news said that today, in my city, it was 114. Does it kind of make sense, though? Yeah, it feels like 114. That it just feels like we're in hell anyways. So like, yes. okay. Yeah, no, it, the Earth, we're burning the planet. And so we did it. It's done. I don't blame it. Mother Earth, you gave it a good run. We have the air on. Why have my air on? Because I'm going to melt otherwise. Katie may put hers on. You might hear it. At this point, that's okay with us. At this point, you can either have fainting podcast hosts or air conditioner. And I'm sure... You guys won't mind a couple of episodes with some air conditioner, especially when the episode is good, because this was a great story. Yes, it was. Yeah. I posted a picture of my sweaty shirt from the last time we recorded on Patreon, just for our gross Patreons who want to see weird stuff like that. (laughs) And it looks like an alien child made out of sweat. You ever have like a pattern of something that is just weird? Yeah. Like Jesus and your toast. That's what that was, but out of my sweat. If it's in sweat, then it's Beelzebub. So Kimberly's Beelzebub sweatshirt will be on sale on... It's Nick Schneider. It's my Nick Schneider. Kimberly's Nick Schneider shirt will be on sale on eBay. Starting bid opens at 49 cents. Check it out. (laughs) That's high. There'll be a reserve on it, though. We're setting a reserve. (laughs) It has to go for at least $2. Okay. It's always good when the shipping is more than the actual I was just going to say, it actually needs to go for $9 because we have to cover (laughs) the cost of shipping. So, yeah. So this episode is called Mystery at, I want to, I want to say it fancy. Like, what would you call like that collar? Like when you say it, when you say it fancy, you know what I'm trying to say? An empire collar? Yeah, but that's not how you say it. Yeah, it is. Empire. I've heard you say it fancier. Empire? No, like like empire. I would never in the world say empire because that's not a word. Empire. Empire. Maybe that's just how I read it in my head. Empire waste. On pure collar. It's called an empire. Yeah, I know. But in my head, I feel like it's French. Oh, well, let's make it so because it's much fancier. That's delightful. Okay. It's probably not. Let's do it. Who's stopping us? We're on the sun. No one stops yeah. us. Mystery at Empire Lake. Empire Lake. Uh, we, I was doing it online because Dateline was repeats last week. And then I got to part five. I test them all the links before because I've learned my lesson. Got to part five. It wasn't working. But then I found it works under Mystery on the Lake. No, it's called House on the Lake. House on the Lake. Mystery in the nope. House on the Lake. No, just House on the Lake. Oh, just House on the Lake. Which so this is episode has two titles, but it's the same episode. Also why I knew I had seen this episode, that it was not in my book under Empire Lake, but yeah. it is under House on the Lake. I know. And it's I was like, okay, so us. I have seen this episode. Yeah, why did they trick us? This episode is recommended by Karen from Patreon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. She even gave us a little a little inside info at the end. So wait for that. 
I am so excited about that. I know, it's good. Oh, good, Karen. Thank you. Uh, this aired June 11th, 2015, season 23, episode 57. Keith, the lean king, he's leaning on a lake. We're leaning on a sun. He's leaning so, on the dock of a bay. The whole episode. Yeah. I wanted to go to there the whole episode. I was like, I bet that's nice, but I bet it's muggy when it gets hot, but I bet it's still nice. You still have some water. Yeah. Cal Harris and his family live in upstate New York with a private lake in the backyard. Are we near the Finger Lakes? That means I start to be able to say Finger Lakes, and that makes me happy. More than anything, I just want to say, I feel so close to you right now. It's force field. Wear my heart upon my sleeve like a big deal. His name is Calvin Harris. Oh, God. Did you not catch that? Yeah, no, I didn't pick up on that. He broke Taylor's heart and was done her dirty. So I have blocked him from my memory. Sorry about that. He's still a very popular DJ. And so, well, he's a DJ. He broke her heart. Of course he did. Of course. What I tell you. We could have told you that, Taylor. You told yourself you knew he was trouble when you walked in. If she would return your calls, you would have told her that already. Or letters or faxes and Mm -hmm. any of the modes of communication you've tried to do with her. I tattooed a note on my body and she didn't. (laughs) She did not take kindly to that. Your Instagram account, KimberlyLovesTaylorSwift.com. It's .gov. I actually created a government position where all I do, it's the office of the Kimberly Loves Taylor Swift division in the council court appellate something. And so it's a government position. Oh, Okay, so that means you get government money. Can I have a job? It depends. You have to like somebody, too. I would like government benefits. I love her. Are you kidding? That sounded really convincing, didn't it? Yeah, it did. See, no one would ever know. So Mm -hmm. what does it matter if I do or don't? My personal feelings are my personal feelings, and that's not to be brought into work. I'll sue you. It is if your entire job is about loving someone. Then I feel like you're bringing your work home with you. And you're bringing your home into your work. That's discriminate. I have a lawsuit. I could get sued. Yeah, I have a lawsuit. Okay, I'm just saying. But regardless, I want our listeners to know that this is not that Calvin Harris. This is a dad. This is a Calvin Harris in dad khakis. Might be as much of a garbage person. We don't know. Really hard to tell. Let's get into it. Calvin was a, they had four kids. He and his wife, Michelle. He was a big shot car dealer. Did I mention they had a private lake? This whole episode at the beginning, especially, I feel like is designed to make you feel really bad about your childhood because especially Keith fawning over the lake and how beautiful it must have been at Christmas and how magical it was. And Keith grew up in Canada, which is a winter wonderland in Christmas, I would assume. So he knows. Where are we? Where is this lake? Upper New York. Okay, first of all, he's close to Canada then. And so I think Keith is just sort of happy that they're... There, that's right. But there are places in the U.S. that are like Canada because this felt like Canada. It's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I want to move to Maine. Me too. Let's do it. Let's do that. Jessica Fletcher, we're coming for you. You were coming for your job, but we already have jobs with the government. So unless she's actually the murderer of everyone in that town. And then has anyone ever written that fan fiction that Jessica Fletcher did all the murders? Oh, for sure. Yes. So the family is so picture perfect. They show these family photos from when they were a kid and the kids were little and picture perfect. And then we meet the four children who are like young adults. I think I recognize them from my latest Patagonia catalog. 
They're like no joke. That picture perfect. They're a J. Crew catalog come to life, one hundred percent. And they're all attractive. No one in the family's unattractive. No. And they're just dressed very perfectly and kind of outdoorsy, but still And coordinated. Somehow coordinated. So one day Cal woke up from his sleep. His slumber? What? <laughs> oh my God. Off to a great start. And found out that his wife, Michelle, was not at home. Everyone's looking for her. People are leaving messages. And we hear the messages that are kind of like, where the freak are you? Call me as soon as freaking possible. I like when you get people's real reactions on the voice machines. Me too. So everyone's nervous. She vanished, it seemed, the night before, which was September 11th. Actually, September 11th, 2001. So the world was a mighty fine distracted that day. And the investigator said things were in some kind of disarray. And Keith says in voiceover, so they were, which is Keith speak for, duh, it was 9-11. What other case did we have that took place right after 9-11? We've had at least one. There's one that we haven't covered, but it's about a guy who went missing. And I would like to cover it. I just can't remember what it's called. And he disappeared with two girls and he would always go missing. And people had shirts that say, like, I survived Joe being missing, blah, 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 like because they made those shirts because he would just disappear for days at a time. But this time he didn't come back. And that was on 9-11, too. Is there another one that you're thinking of? We just did it. Yeah, you and I covered it and something happened around 9-11. I feel like it was a woman who went missing, but it wasn't this one. If any of our listeners remember, let me know. It was, I think it was this year. I think it was in 2020 that we covered it. Could be totally wrong. You know, we could be right. Everyone started searching with the cops for Michelle. Cal does not search. He is watching the children, which some people found odd. His sister defends him and say he was just trying to take the kids to school. I get it. I get it when he explains it, that he was like, he needed to keep the routine for the kids because it was going to be traumatic. But the kids are very young. When she, right, the oldest is seven? Yeah. 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 So her van had been left at the end of their long, long driveway, and the keys were in the ignition. Then we skip to a few days later, their police are still looking, and an investigator sees, for the first time, oddly enough, bloodstains on the floor and the doorway to the garage. Not sure why they didn't see them the first several days. I think I know why. Do you? Because they're very small. Well, the ones in the garage were not as small. It looked like a lot more. The ones in the kitchen rug were very small, like super, super small. It's not like it looks like enough blood to be a crime scene, but it's enough blood to be concerned about and that you would notice. But the blood in the kitchen rug is enough where little enough that you would think someone had a paper cut. Yeah, I couldn't really see it. Also, the rug had a pattern. That's the only reason I can think they didn't see it. I guess. I just feel like they're looking for that. They should have been looking from the first time they stepped in the house, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the blood matches to Michelle. It appeared they had an idyllic life. We are getting Cal's Aunt Mary, who defends him, says they were very happy. They were an adventurous couple. They had the four kids. They had two labs. Maybe one's a golden. Yes. Those... They catalog people. You know what we're saying. Even catalog dogs they had. 
And they did every outdoor sport imaginable on the lake. I'm sure I would love to see their Christmas setup, actually. I would really like to see what that looks like. Because they had huge windows facing the lake. You know they had like a 10-foot tree. They had something crazy. Ugh. Yeah. I would be a lake person. I want to be a lake person. So I would like a, my private lake. I grew up near a lake and I enjoyed my time at the lake. In Virginia? No, in Orange County. I think that the weather is going to be very different at a lake not in California. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I think that it's like Skeeter Central, like constantly being bit by mosquitoes. I've spent some time in Minnesota and they are the land of 10,000 lakes. And? They actually have more than that. Are they the land of 10 million mosquitoes? Yeah. There we go. So the kids were all young, so they don't really remember her. One of the daughters is told that she looks like the mom a lot, and she's so happy about it. And I kind of kind of made me feel bad for the other daughter, but I'm sure they're fine. The other daughter is lovely, and I'm sure gets compliments all on her own. She's fine. Yeah. All four of the children. They're all sitting with Keith on the dock of the bay lake. And Keith belongs on a lake. Keith could be their uncle. Let's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, seems right. So they are now young adults. They love their dad. They think he is the best dad in the world. Turns out going back more into their marriage, Michelle and Cal, their marriage wasn't perfect. He loved order and she not so much. She said that he was controlling and she once called her sister from a closet terrified because he had a gun out and he was waving it and yelling at her to come out. She called her sister-in-law. His sister. Mary? Oh, no, that's his aunt. The thing said sister-in-law. Dateline said it. She must have a good relationship with the sister-in-law. Why isn't she on Dateline? I want to know what she thinks. Was she closer to Michelle than to Cal? You got to take a side, people. I may have misheard that, so I'm going to I'm gonna not go in at 100 on that because it's hot. And I'm not, now I'm questioning myself. But regardless, that seemed... What feeling did you get from Cal? That's what I want to know. I've seen this episode many times. I don't get a good vibe from Cal. Same. There's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. Same. And that's from the jump. Yes. I don't trust him. I thought it was because I had also seen this episode before. But really, I think that's the feeling I got the first time I watched the episode. But you know me. How many times have I watched these episodes before we started doing the podcast And then we do the podcast and then I become more jaded and I change my mind. This time I have the same feeling about Cal. I don't get a great feeling. Yeah. And I'm always surprised that the kids like him so much. I'm always like, really? Yeah. He doesn't like make you line your shoes up just perfect. I get that feeling from him, which is weird because I got the controlling feeling before they say he's controlling. I'm like, oh, I bet he's a neat guy. I just, it's something about his appearance. I'm fully judging a book by its cover, but the cover is Town and Country, the cleaning edition. That's If the book. your mom is murdered at a very young age and all you have left is your dad, that's part of your coping mechanism is to latch onto your dad, maybe not see things the rest of the world is seeing about him. Absolutely. I mean, we see family members in denial all the time. I don't know if they're in denial. We could be wrong. Maybe he didn't do it, but I don't trust him. Well, he's done good things. He's raised those kids and those kids are... That's true. They look like they're doing well. I don't know. Let's get a little further in. We'll discuss again. He does some questionable stuff. In 1999, Michelle learned that Calvin 
I'm just going to call him Cal, was having an affair. And she wanted to work through it, but Keith said he had to get rid of the girl. Just like, just kind of funny to me. Why? I don't know that they called her a girl. Get rid of the girl. Like, kill her? I think that's what you would say, though, after you'd had four kids with someone and you're like, get rid of her. Get rid of the chickie. Are we assuming she's very young? The chickadee? Yeah, I am assuming because she said get rid of the girl. But I think it was Keith that said that. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. That's not a quote direct? No, I don't think so. Shoot. Okay, that's all right. So we don't find out technically if he actually did. He told her he did. And they were going to try to work on their marriage. They're just zipping through the drama at this point. This needs to be a two-hour episode. So they try to rekindle, but he cut off her spending. That wasn't going well, the rekindling. And then she took up with a new man. And then she filed for divorce. We're like zip, zip, zip through major life decisions in two seconds here. But it must have happened quickly because the kids are young, young. So it's fairly, they haven't been even married for 10 years because the kid isn't 10 yet. Didn't they have a kid right away? One of their oldest kid right away? Maybe. But I mean, it happened within two years because it happened in 1999 and she was killed in 2001. 1999 was when the divorce was? That's when she found out he cheated. Oh, okay. So then, yeah, everything went downhill of course, quickly. So they are going to like probably do that reconcile, get back together, reconcile, get back together a couple of times. And then we're only hearing like a brief outline. And then she starts dating someone. I would like to know if he started dating someone. We don't hear that. I don't know if he ever stopped dating that first girl. Yeah, we don't know. But they decided to get a divorce. She was staying in the house with him because her attorney said, basically like, don't give up your land. Well, yeah, state claim. Also, don't abandon your children because you won't get full cut. You won't get custody. The judge won't look on that favorably. She's probably trying to get him to move out. Yeah. So they started to divide their assets and they were working on a settlement. She got a job as a waitress at a local bar. Seems out of character, but... Really does. Because she was working at the car dealership when they met, she was like one of their accountants, right? Yeah. And then she was a stay at home mom, I think. But this bar seemed a little scuzzy. But I guess I just pictured her going back into like an office type environment because that's what she did before. Yeah. And so she was hanging out at the bar with people drinking and staying out late. That's what Cal says. And she's dating this younger guy. So she finished her shift on September 11th, went to her boyfriend's house And that was the last time anyone saw her. Four years after she goes missing, the DA charges Cal with murder. Okay. He says he got tackled and shackled. I don't know if he actually rhymed it when he said it, but I'm going to pretend he did because that would be really funny. And then Keith says, you got a taste of the law. You know, he says, you got a taste of law and order up close and personal. I was so like, Keith, that is the new series in the Law and Order franchise. It's called Law and Order colon, Up Close and Personal, and it is a spinoff starring Ice-T's character. Oh, I thought it was going to be called Law and Order, colon, The Taste. The Taste of, in parentheses, would be great. What does Law and Order taste like? Law and Order, comma, in parentheses, The Taste of, colon, colon, Up Close and Personal. Up Close and Personal. What does it taste like? Featuring, like F-E-A-T, period. Calvin Harris. Ice-T. Oh, what does it taste like? Ice-T? Oh, okay. That's what Law & Order tastes like? Yeah. Any viewers of SVU know what I'm talking about. 
That's what justice tastes like. Iced tea. Refreshing. I don't think he's ever said that in the show because his character is not named Iced tea. That's his real name. Yeah, thank God. But still, I would have loved that. If he tackled a guy and he said, you know what Law and Order tastes like? Iced tea. Unsweetened. Next question. Why do we never get to meet the boyfriend? Is that letting a cat out of the bag? No, it's very odd. Why? Because it's a one hour. I don't know. It, this episode is weird. But like it's four years later and all of a sudden they've zoomed in on Calvin. Were they able to fully clear the boyfriend? Seeing as she supposedly went to his house that night. It seems like she made it back to her house since her van was there, I guess. So unless the boyfriend killed her at his house and then drove her van there. And then what got a ride? I don't know. Pushed it back to there town? There was no Uber. They're kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But we should get more from the boyfriend. But it's almost like this dateline is zooming in right on Cal, just like the police did. So I think that's what they're doing. They're symbolizing the tunnel vision of the cops with their editorial storytelling style. Okay. So the prosecutor doesn't even seem sure that he's going to win the case because he doesn't have a body and no one really knows where Michelle is. So he thinks it's like 50-50, which I thought was very odd because you aren't they supposed to be way more sure that they can win a conviction before they actually do it? Not if you look like that prosecutor. That prosecutor looked like Henry Thomas. Do we have eyes on Henry Thomas? And is he now a prosecutor in upstate New York? No, I think he still acts. Okay. Henry Thomas. Isn't that his name with the ears? The kid from E.T.? Isn't he the one that was in Haunted Hill House? Yes. Yeah, Haunted Hill House. Maybe he did that too. So Cal says to Dateline, in not as many words that you can mark it off your bingo sheet, but close that he was a pillar of the community. And that's when I started to get bad vibes. He's talking about how much he's donated to the community over the years, like made donations to charities and stuff. And now they're treating him like this. You can't say that. It doesn't look good. The minute he said it, I was like, oh, you're either tooting your own horn, which is very unlikable, or you are thinking because you've done favors for people in the community that they owe you. Right. The prosecution painted Cal as a man that needs to be in control of everything and everyone. Michelle had said he was volatile, and she was even taking notes on how he verbally abused her. So they scroll past the screen really fast, but we see white trash, called mm -hmm. her white trash, and we see the SL word, not nice. What's weird is that the notes seem to be sort of scattered on like different kinds of paper. I would think that if she really was taking notes, they would be in a notebook together. But she was not an organized person. No, she wasn't. You're right. They were like my notes. I was just going to say, I sometimes wonder why your Dateline notes aren't all in one binder. But then you wouldn't be Katie. That would be lovely <laughs> to not be Katie. I would like that. I'm almost done with my second thing, though. I finished that one last week. Look at this one. We're almost at the end. Last episode. Oh, my gosh. And you're going to auction them off to charity along with my sweaty T-shirt. Yeah, these will start at 79 cents because they're heavier. They might not be heavier than your shirt if the shirt's filled with sweat. I don't know. <laughs> I think the sweat is evaporated. I really, it won't have after this episode. It's a different shirt. Are you mailing it with a bottle of Febreze? No, I w they want the stench. If they're spitting on my sweaty shirt... That's part of the appeal, oh, I think. Oh, see, now we're getting into, like, Sniffy's Corner territory. I don't like that. No, I don't. I know. 
No. But if I can make some money off of it and buy a real air conditioner, sure. So <laughs> Michelle said that he was volatile. She was got a temporary order of protection against him. There we go. He had said to her, I won't need a gun to kill you. If I did kill you, no one would ever find your body, which is exactly what happened. No one has found her body. Keith plays devil's advocate here. Does he play devil's advocate or does he just straight up stand up for Calvin? He straight up stands up for Calvin and says, you know, people say terrible things in the heat of passion. He says this to the prosecutor. Keith, you know that's not true. You know that's a bad sign when someone says that. Why is he saying that? Have you ever gotten into a fight with your spouse because they left dishes in the sink and you told them that no one would ever find their body? Maybe. That's what I would call an overreaction disorder. I don't have the qualifications to classify something as a disorder, but BetterHelp might be the answer. Absolutely. BetterHelp offers therapy with a licensed professional therapist in the privacy of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. And so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Counselors specialize in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, the general stress that comes from not having your own private lake. I personally didn't even know that having your own private lake was a thing that one could have. And now I'll be seeking therapy immediately. And we will be discussing how my parents let me down by not having a private lake when I was growing up. How I let myself down for not having a private lake as an adult. And what steps can I take moving forward to ensure that I get a private lake in the near future? We have a lot of things to discuss. BetterHelp is easy. It's totally confidential. It's affordable. What are you waiting for? We want you to start living a happier life with a private lake or whatever your version of happiness is today. And as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Because we can all use a little better. Private lake. I mean help. You know you have to have a fridge in the garage before you can have a private lake, right? There are steps to this thing, and you're skipping about 40 steps to get to private lake. That's what my BetterHelp counselor can help me work on. Your BetterHelp counselor is going to help you with your vision board? Yeah. Okay. I think they help you discover the vision board within yourself. Vision board of your mind? You are your own vision board. That was beautiful. Thank you. If you want better advice than we are giving. Contact BetterHelp. Please contact BetterHelp. <laughs> Thank you so much, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. You're wonderful. So the family babysitter, Barb. Of course, Barb. It's got to be a Barb. Of course it's Barb. Yeah. Now, she found Michelle's van at the end of the road, the end of their driveway. She went up to the house and said, Cal, Michelle's car is at the bottom of the driveway. No, she said, Cal. Michelle's car is at the end of the road. And I can't let go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong Belong to you. you. (laughs) So she comes, says, Cal, I don't know if she calls him Mr. Harris, whatever. I feel like he wants to be called Mr. Harris by the babysitter. Even though Barb is like a grown-up lady, she's not like a 15-year-old babysitter. Without asking a single follow-up question, Cal just goes to the bottom of the driveway, and it's one of those long road driveways to get the car. Mm -hmm. He has no follow-up question like, 
what? Why is it down there? What's going on? And he also doesn't bring a spare set of keys or anything with him. He just assumes or he already appears to know that they are in the car. Oh, now that's interesting. Right? Did she tell him that the keys are in the ignition? She says he just seemed to know that they would be there. Now, Keith says, because Keith is in a defending Cal Harris type of mood this episode, at least at the beginning, says to the prosecutor, well, these are just interpretations of someone's action. Why are you doing this, Keith? What is happening here? Does he think that Cal is innocent right off the bat? Yes. But then later he gives a skeptical look to Cal, which makes me think maybe he's waffling like we're waffling. I think it's all about these kids. I think he believes in the kids. It has a soft heart for well-behaved children and sees this family that like is doing well, has lost their mom and is sort of by standing up for Calvin. He's standing up for the four kids. I see. That's what I think. That is like Keith. But you know what, Keith? This is Dateline. This is not the Brady Bunch. And we need you to talk about murder. It sounds dangerously like you are telling Keith what his job is. You're going to need to sit. It's very hot. I will just say that I trust Barb. My instinct is to trust her. Yes. Barbs are intrinsically good people in my experience. I have never met a Barb I didn't like. I've never met a Barbara or a Barb that I didn't like. Barb from Stranger Things, that girl was quality. Shame what happened to her. Now, is it possible that Barb told him about the keys and forgot and now is making it sound like he knew all along? I guess that's possible. But I don't think Barb is doing us wrong like that. No, I don't think so either. And I think she spent a lot of time with the family, so I think she maybe notices. It's like she knows how his behavior would be on a day different from other days. Right. I think that he runs pretty hot. Like, I think that he would be scary. I would not want to be around him. Again, wild judgments. Again, but like the children don't seem scared of him at all. Not at all. And not like Stockholm Syndrome children. They seem to adore their dad. The keys is the weirdest thing about this, because otherwise I feel like him sort of going immediately to the car and not thinking about it could be explained by how poorly their relationship was at the moment, like how bad Michelle and Cal were doing, that he was like, ugh, I don't know what that's about. She was out with so-and-so last night. But this is after he's already woken up and found that she's, like, not in the house. Right, because but that doesn't seem that weird to him when he wakes up and finds that she's not in the house. That's not when, like, the panic starts. He just starts getting them ready for school. I think he's probably more irritated than anything. Like, really? She spent the night at her boyfriend's? That's why the car thing is so weird, though, that it's just at the bottom of the street. Yes, he should have had a different reaction. Or at least a follow-up question. Has she ever, it's like a half a mile long driveway. Has she ever left it down there? We don't know if he had a follow-up. He may have, and we may just be getting this chunk of the story. She never says he didn't. Yeah, no, Barb says he didn't. He just said, let's go, get the car. Is it possible that he hates Barb and just doesn't want to talk to Barb (laughs) about this? It's like, Barb, you're on your way out. Yeah, you you were a Michelle hire, not a Cal hire. Your days are numbered. (laughs) You are not tidy enough. And please take your shoes off when you come in this house. Thank you. So the prosecutor is saying there's a ton of little things that convince me that Cal did it. And Keith is looking at him quite skeptically. 
which further cements that he really thinks Cal is innocent. But the first troopers that were on the scene also noticed Cal's demeanor that day. He seemed very unconcerned that she was missing. And he seemed more concerned with the van. I don't know what I wrote that. He seems more can I I know what you, why you wrote it because he's the thing that he seemed the most concerned with was getting the van cleaned up and back on the lot. Oh right. That's what that was weird. So is it not her car? Well, I'm sure they're all like cars from the whatever and pro- vans probably bring them a lot of money if they're in a family area. That's a good sale, you know. It's probably a souped up van. Yeah, but his wife was missing. There are police at your house. There are literally police at your house. I'm not defending him. I'm just telling you what he did. So they think it was all about money for him, that she was asking for an appraisal of the car dealership. And so she was maybe going to take half of the business. She was maybe going to take the house. Also, they kind of speculate that maybe she was going to look into the car business and have his finances scrutinized. They were kind of implying that maybe something shady was going on. With the finances there? Well, there must be, because how in the world would you own a car dealership and own 5,000 acre estate on a lake? I mean, I don't understand. He says he got it a long time ago for a really good deal or something. I think if you own a car dealership, you make a lot of money. That's why those ex-football players buy them. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen those? Like pro athletes buy car dealerships. I did not know that. Yeah. So the prosecutor thinks she got home at 11.30 p.m., parked her car, went into the garage. Cal attacked her on the way into the house, blood spatter on the kitchen rug. Then he took her back out to the garage and attacked her further, and she bled out on the garage floor. Then he tried to clean it up a little, and he pulled the car down the driveway and then left it there to make it look suspicious. And he then had seven hours to dispose of the body. In the lake, do we think? Common sense says lake. Common sense says, did they drag the lake? I thought that too. Could have used two hour guys. I don't know if they dragged the lake. They must have, right? They must have dragged it. I feel like they must have. Yeah. And he must have known that they were going to. So maybe he didn't do it in the lake. Because maybe it's too obvious. Although Chad Daybell, it was right in their backyard. Sometimes people aren't as bright as they appear to be. Sometimes people are just cocky. But the car I find interesting because if he indeed did kill her and didn't drive the car into the lake, that's a little shocking to me because he would, he wanted so badly to get the money for that car. <laughs> that that was his option was to just leave it in the driveway. Lame. Maybe it was too loud to drive a car into the lake. Why? Because you're already backing the car all the way down that long driveway. Just drive it a little bit further and drive it into That's the lake. true. Kids, are when they're little, sleep really soundly. And they didn't have neighbors right next to them. How do you drive a car into the lake if you're not in it? You just put a brick on the brake? Yeah, and you or you put it into neutral and then you push it. But then it, it needs to go further. And it would need to go to the middle of the lake. So I don't know how you do that unless you go over a dock or something. But that's going to cause tracks and things like that. So Cal is telling Keith he didn't do this. No tears. The defense says that the forensics wasn't good. It wasn't all that in a bag of chips. It was just not great forensics. Uh He is found guilty. And there's our episode. Shortest one yet. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow us on Instagram. No, we did. No. 
Just kidding. A few people turned off just now. I know it. Joni, come back. We're still here. So then an extraordinary thing happened. A thing that happened that was almost unbelievable. Cal was about to be sent away for 25 years to life. And then everything changed. The day he was supposed to be sentenced, a gentleman named Kevin Tubbs comes into our lives. And we're all different and better for it or just different? Just different. Okay. Kevin Tubbs is a plain spoken ruffian farm worker. Rough hewn. What's a rough hewn? I said ruffian. I heard rough hewn. I rewound it. Is it just Keith's Canadian way of saying ruffian? Yeah, because later he says steel worker. And I had to rewind it three times because this word steel did not sound right to me. Ironically, I was confused about why the steel worker was not described as the rough hewn, but that's all right. Maybe he did say, maybe it's a word we don't know. Press on. I'm going to find out right now. It's not, but just in case. Could be. Keep going. But was that shade a plain spoken ruffian slash rough hewn farm worker? Yes. The way Keith says it was shade. He was hauling hay. And why was he so important? Keith. You just keep dumping on Kevin Tubbs. I like Kevin Tubbs. I had nothing against Kevin Tubbs, but Keith seems to want to point out that he's it's fine. It was funny. Why was he so important? Well, he's going to explain to us. And I'm going to explain to us the definition of rough hewn is having a rough and uneven surface, not polite or educated. Okay. So yes, rough hewn is what he said. Rough hewn. Rough hewn. H-E-W-N. Rough hewn. No, it's not one. You're saying it like it's one word. It is two words. Oh, a rough. Rough hewn. Hewn. Mm-hmm. A person has a rough hewn. No, it's a verb used with object. It says rough hewn, rough hewed, rough hewn. Yeah, this says verb. That's an adjective, y'all. A verb would be I rough hewned this table. Yeah, this says verb here. It's not a verb, though. I think it's an adjective. I don't trust this whole thing. You don't trust Marion Webster? Not if they're calling that a verb. She didn't call it a verb. Somebody else called. Nope. They said adjective. There we go. Why does this? But the first thing that comes up on Google says verb used with object. No, ma'am. Anyways, that mystery is solved. Thank God. We learned something today. I still think ruffian would have worked, though. It would have. But neither one should have been used to describe this guy. They should have been used to describe this guy we're going to get later. Yeah. So for years, Tubbs hadn't paid attention to the public case. A very public case. He picked up a paper then and read about it years later. And he looks at this story and he remembers the morning after 9-11, years before. And between 5.30 and 6 in the morning on the 12th, he saw a blonde woman and a young man in his early 20s talking down the end of a long driveway by a pickup truck. And that man was very visibly angry and muscular and kind of looked at him like, what the F are you staring at? And the woman was either crying or wasted. Come on. The woman was Michelle Harris. How does he know that? (laughs) Great question. Because he saw an article. No, he saw an article with her picture in the paper. Because it's really funny because he keeps saying that it's a blonde woman, but she doesn't look very blonde at this point in time. She's cut her hair into like a pixie. And it's a little bit dark blonde. So in the dark, honestly, I'm not sure you would read her as blonde. Well, I bet he has big headlights on his truck. Well, I bet he saw her picture in the paper where she's blonde and pulled it from that. I don't trust this guy's memory. 
Me neither. This is why I'm saying this, that I feel like he saw a picture of her in the paper and it's like, yeah, it was her. But are you sure, man? See, the thing about the memory, like I watch those specials and sometimes some people can really remember stuff if it's a very important day or something like there was one case and they were like the witness saw them on a train at the same time and they were like, well, how are we supposed to believe you knew this blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, because it was my birthday. So I remember it that way. So this was the day after 9-11. So maybe he remembers. Do you remember the day after 9-11? Yeah, I do. I don't remember if I saw, it's been a lot longer than a few years, but I do remember like what I did. Yeah. I remember 9-11. I don't know if I remember the day after. I certainly don't remember everyone that I came in contact with that day, but the people that I know I knew I knew them, but I don't remember strangers' faces that I saw. How he made it sound, how Ruffhune made it sound, was that <laughs> he was, like, he had always known that he saw them. He had just never said anything because he didn't think it mattered. So that's a big difference between always remembering it and suddenly Susan remembering it. Well, I don't think he knew that she died. Because he didn't seem to know about the case. But he seemed to know that there was a case. That's what I'm saying is that it seemed to be, he had said he hadn't followed the case closely, but he knew that she had died. He had known that he had seen her, this woman that died. Well, then that makes more sense because right after she went missing that day, it might have started being on the news and in the papers. And he might have at that time said, oh, that was the lady I saw. Yes, that's how I took it, that that's how he remembered it. He didn't put two and two together that somebody was being charged with it. And then when he saw the guy who was being charged, he was like, wait a minute, that's not the guy that I saw. And maybe my testimony is actually important. Maybe I should have said something way back when. You probably should have before the trial. Yeah, get it together, Tubbs. So you kind of believe him then? I don't know. Honestly, I'm just saying that's... I get why they, but I get why he's the believable. way you're saying it. And that's not the way I heard it. But if that's true, that makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. If that's what happened. So Cal Harris would have had to kill her seven hours before she was seen alive by this other man. So it's this other man that killed her. So the judge tosses out the verdict all based on Tub. Way to go, Tubbs. Is Tubbs his nephew? <laughs> My nephew, Stanley L. Tubbs. I've seen like a shows where witnesses come forward. It's not enough to change their minds. This is very surprising. That it would change his mind. It seemed like he was looking for a reason to change his mind, I gotta say. This seemed a little bit like somebody had paid the judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to say that. Well, Cal has that lake money. Did this guy really want one of those vans? <laughs> Did the judge, like, have a need for speed? I feel like the judge could afford a van. But could he afford two vans and a boat? We don't know what he was promised. If he was a corrupt judge, then yes, he probably could afford those things. I don't know. So the judge crosses out the verdict and calls for another trial and sends Cal home in the meantime. This is what's so shocking to me is that he keeps getting to go home because I have been listening, as we know, to In the Dark, and Curtis Flowers never gets to go home. Oh, what's the difference between those men? Huh. It's weird because it's not a lot. Maybe one of them's poor and one of them's rich. Oh, wait, there's another difference. There's one other difference I was thinking of. But something really good just happened for him. So, finally. Mm -hmm. So, 
the everyone, the brother of Michelle says that everyone in the town knows that this guy's lying. Tubbs is lying. I don't think he's lying necessarily for attention. I just think he might be confused or maybe he is lying for attention. It doesn't seem like he is. I don't think Tubbs is lying. I think the brother makes a couple statements that made me go, all right, take it. Slow down there. Slow your roll. Because he was saying, this is just the most, it's like the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. And I was like, is it the most? Because this isn't really that far-fetched. It's not. It's not the most ridiculous. It wasn't like Tubbs arose out of the lake and then walked towards, do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't something weird. And she was covered with what, with a briny moss? And she had a wreath around her head. There was a burning cross in the distance. I mean, he could have really told the story. No, this is plausible. You just don't like it. So the defense says there's no proof that Cal did it. And at this point, Keith looks skeptically at the defense attorney. So then I started to think maybe Keith is less convinced or maybe he just doesn't like this defense attorney for some reason. So... People thought it was odd that he didn't join the search party. Aunt Mary says he was just watching the children. Would he take a hit after the divorce? His lawyer said that she couldn't touch his business and she had accepted a settlement for $740,000 and that she was happy with that amount. So things were moving along nicely. The blood could have been a cut finger. I was like, a pretty badly cut finger. The blood in the garage was found days after, and the defense says it was diluted, not because he tried to clean it up, but because the police walked through it with their wet boots on. We don't know what happened. It was there for days. I don't know why it wasn't sealed off, but if he did try to clean it up and he had seven hours to hide the body and clean it up, he didn't do a very good job of it because there was still blood. So I don't know. Cal takes the stand in his second trial. They always do. He admits that he had an affair, but he said he never threatened her. And he said Michelle had changed recently and she was staying out all hours. She was hanging out with a bad crowd. So the jury deliberates for two days and he's found guilty again. Yep. And there's our episode. Nope. Thank you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm worried people are really going to turn it off. They're not. Joni. Are you just worried about Joni? Mostly just Joni. Tell her before. Text her and be like, Mom, when you listen to the episode, there's a couple of false endings. False endings. So the family and the friends take care of the kids who are a little bit older then. And they go to visit him every week in prison. They say it was so hard. And three years go by with Cal in prison. But then something happened. And Cal Harris... If he had won the lottery, he would have been less surprised. So the appeals court overturned his second murder conviction. Which never happens. Never happens. The judge made mistakes during the trial, the jury selection, and he allowed in hearsay testimony. So he's got a killer lawyer, right? He's just got like the best lawyer money can buy. So now he gets to go home again. After three years in prison, his kids are now in high school. The third trial is approaching. The kids decide they are ready to go public. So they speak at a press conference. The one daughter who speaks is wearing her best beta brand pants. Absolutely she is. Allegedly. Yeah. Neither confirm or deny, but that's what I would have chosen. 
His beta brand pants are perfect for all life situations, starting a new job, lounging at home, fighting for your father's innocence before his third trial for the murder of your mother. You want to look smart in those situations and sharp, but feel like you're at home eating spaghetti on the couch. Beta Brand's customer favorite dress pant yoga pants, which are dress pants that are as comfortable as yoga pants, are made of wrinkle-resistant stretch knit fabric, which I dare say might be the perfect outfit to wear straight from the office right to the private lake that I will soon own, eventually own, one day own. They have tons of styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, eight pocket. We know I love my pockets. They have a bunch of new stuff for fall. You might be heading back to work and you want to look snazzy and feel comfy, but they're also great for working from home too because there's a mental shift that happens when you take off the pajama shorts with the hole in the butt and you put on actual pants. You feel like a new person. RuPaul talks about it all the time. Sometimes changing clothes a few times a day just to get yourself motivated to get out there and do the thing you need to be doing, even if that thing is in your house. I'm saying buy multiple beta brand pants throughout the day, put a new pair on. Win-win. I'm throwing out my shorts with the hole in the butt, by the way, because no one wants to see that. And I'm just going to put on beta brand. They're going on eBay. Right now, (laughs) we're just putting together a basket, a gift basket. So right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com forward slash dateline. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com forward slash dateline. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. That would be enough for one day of changes. So you might need more. Go to betabrand.com forward slash dateline for 25% off. Woo! You're not going to regret it. I'm still hearing from listeners who buy them and they say, thank you. Thank you for recommending them. They love them. Check them out, guys. So the kids go public and they ask for help in finding out what happens to Michelle. And now Cal is crying during the press conference. They launch a tip line for new leads. I'm not blaming the children, but I don't feel like there was any urgency the first few times to do this. Not that it should have been from them. They were children, but from Cal, I don't feel like that happened. We don't know, though. It's true we don't know, but he wasn't even in the search party. Because he was taking care of the kids. He has a lot of money, and there's already been two trials now. But I understand, like, the kids were just children then, and now they're young adults and they want to get involved. I totally get that. I have a feeling this was their idea and not Cal's. I do, too, and I'm wondering... Well, he was an adult this whole time. It was his wife and it was the mother of his children. And it didn't feel like he never talks about her to Keith as in like the real travesty here is that her killer is out there. It's never that sort of thing. We never hear him say anything like that. Like the cops are messing up their time with me. Yeah. Why aren't they out there looking for the real person? He doesn't seem to care if they find the real person. That's just the vibe I'm getting. But maybe we would judge it. Maybe you're right. Maybe if he said something like that, we would judge it. I don't know. I feel like it always sounds pretty good when someone says that. I feel like he may have said it. It just didn't make it to the episode. I'm sure he said a few things like that. But I think it's impressive that the kids took it upon themselves to do it. Absolutely. Because what can they do? They're not lawyers. They can't actually prove their dad's innocence. But maybe they can. Maybe they can appeal to people to come out. You think it's great that they were trying to 
generate leads and maybe try to solve the murder of their mom. I do. I think it's great that they were trying to do anything that they could to help their dad. Because I'm not sure what the general consensus in the town is, if he did it or not. It doesn't seem to be that the whole town had turned against him and was like, oh, he's a wife murderer. Doesn't really seem like that. I think the whole town did turn against him and thought he did it. Oh, because he was voted guilty in both trials. I see. Yeah, maybe. And I think the public jury in smaller towns can be just as harsh. And I think the government tends to cave a lot to public opinion. On stuff. I mean, I think it depends also whose family was taking care of it, her family or his family. It seems like his family. It must have been his family for them to still be on his side because her family believed that he did it. And the only motivation we're getting from him is money, right? No, also she was sleeping with this other guy. Maybe that was the final straw. So Cal gets new lawyers, which I thought was interesting. He got them now because they had just kind of gotten him a new trial. Right. So that was strange. I wonder if they quit because he's so controlling. We're totally just making this up. They just won a huge victory that almost no one gets, right? A new trial. It was these lawyers that won it or no? No, the dateline says now he gets new lawyers. But I think he's going with new lawyers because, okay, great. They got him the appeal, but they haven't won for him at trial. That's true. So he, I mean, it's not a bad idea. So the new lawyers say that the state wasn't looking at any other suspects. So they basically launched their own investigation, which I kind of feel like the other lawyers maybe could have done earlier, maybe at trial one or trial two. So they find out that Michelle had been hanging out with an unsavory crowd, people drinking, people doing drugs, people dealing drugs, hooking up. And then we find out that there's another witness who saw her Later that night, meaning she did not go home after she left her shift. She wasn't supposed to go home. She was supposed to go to the boyfriend's. Why are we forgetting about this? Because her car wound up there. So she did go home at some point. But she was supposed to go from work to boyfriend's to home. That was the timeline that we're given. And then all of a sudden it's no, she goes from work to home. Right. Where's the boyfriend? Yeah. Where is we would love to hear about the boyfriend. Is this guy the boyfriend? Right. Is this. I don't think this guy's the boyfriend because they said they say the word boyfriend. She was going to her boyfriend's house. Right. Boyfriend. So they say she was dancing at a nightclub with a guy, a regular at her bar named Stacy Stewart, who is a steel worker. But I don't think Stacey Stewart's the boyfriend. So I hope Stacey Stewart's not the boyfriend. Stacey Stewart might have a rap sheet. Definitely has a rap sheet. I kind of think the name Stacey Stewart is a really cool name. And I like when guys are named Stacey. This guy, loser. So he had told his friends, kind of bragging, that he had a sexual relationship with Michelle. I do have to say, and I'm not judging at all for Michelle for what might have been partially necessity to get a job and get her own money. Good for her. But what also might have been a midlife crisis-y kind of thing, dating younger guys, drinking at bars with friends when you have four kids at home, and that sort of attention might have felt really good, especially if your husband had cheated on you and been horrible to you. Absolutely. So... He says he had a sexual relationship with her. Tubbs, bringing it back to Tubbs, 
he identifies Stacy Stewart from a photograph as the guy that he saw that night. And he had described the truck that they were standing next to. He got such a good look when he was just driving through at 5.30 in the morning. He identified the truck that was a very specific kind of truck that matches the kind of truck that Stacy had at that time. Now it's looking better for that Tubbs is telling the truth, kind of. Or is it like a lot of people have that kind of truck? But how far away was Tubbs from the truck? He was driving and... He drove right past them? He drove right past them. And I would guess at 536, it was probably fairly dark out. Oh, it was mm. September. It would have been light, but not too light. Like Right. And again, Dateline doesn't tell us the details of these photographs. Did they give him a book of 40 men and he picked Stacy out? Because if so, that's super impressive. Right. Or was it like, hey, does this look like the guy? If it was like a, hey, here's this guy we think did it. Is this the guy you saw? I hope that's not what happened, but there is a chance that that's exactly what happened. But this is the defense doing this, right? This is not like the police detectives interviewing Stacey Stewart and showing him a lineup of photos. Yeah, this is the defense. This is the defense who probably had one photo of the guy they wanted it to be, right? And said, is this the guy? Wink, wink. It would be super helpful. I don't think they did it like that, but I'm sure they only showed him one and then maybe a guy that looked nothing like him. So Stacy now says he never had anything to do with Michelle. They were not in a sexual relationship. So who'd he tell that braggy story to? Just another guy at the bar? A friend of his. And the defense seems to be building a theory that Stacy and his friend were somehow involved with her disappearance. But Dateline doesn't go into details on that. Maybe this was a two hour and it was cut down to a one hour. Yeah, maybe so. Because there's a lot of pieces missing. Yeah. So the court changes the venue of the third trial because it's too well known. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. The state can't use some of the blood evidence. So that's a win for the defense. Also out is the prosecution witness who said that Cal was threatening Michelle's life. Because it was hearsay. Why? Okay, hearsay, again, is so confusing. It really is. If the person has passed away and she told friends he's going to kill me, we usually hear about that. So I would just say, remember, if you're telling someone that, also write it down. Right, because they can use your journal entries. Right, or record it with both people's consent. Yes, and then Dateline will say something cool like, we heard her voice from beyond the grave. Yes, they will. And you want... Dateline to say that. So the defense says that it doesn't belong in the case that he said he was going to kill her. That's like exactly the kind of thing that belongs in the case, but whatever. The defense paints Stewart as a killer, but the judge shuts them down. So it's like kind of like a chess match. Like the defense won on some stuff, but the prosecution won on some other stuff. And they are only allowed to let in that Stewart's name that Michelle knew him and that Tubbs had ID'd him and they had a truck at the time. So that's a lot, though. That's like almost everything you need to get in, right? That's good. Yeah. But they aren't allowed to do everything because Stacey Stewart isn't the one on trial. Cal is, which is so funny because we've seen so many trials on Dateline where it's like, this is not the person on trial. And then one of the lawyers says, objection, my client is not on trial here or so-and-so is on trial. Right. So the trial takes three months. That is a long trial. Sorry, that's long. 
I don't know how long the first two were. But three months seemed long for this. It does seem long. Because we don't know any facts. So why did it right. take so, so long? Right, so who are you calling? What experts are you calling? And how many experts? So the first two trials, the juries were really fast. But this time they take two weeks, which is just ridiculous. They were just wanted the food at that point. <laughs> I don't get it. There was like a food truck outside every day at lunch and they were sick of their jobs, even though you get paid almost nothing to be part of a jury. But for some reason, they were all happy to be away from their wife and kids. So they finally, after two weeks, say they can't reach a verdict. It's a mistrial. And there's our episode. Bye, everybody. Thanks. for Wait, question for you. What was the jury t- tally on that? Did we get it? No, we didn't get it. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, I kind of want to know which way they were leaning. So this time Cal speaks at a press conference after and he says, we're getting closer to justice, but we're not there yet. And again, because I don't like him, I wish he would have said justice is finding out who kills my wife Bingo. and the mother of my children, not me just getting off. He seems more concerned with himself. Yes, he does. He The only thing that he should have said is, I really hope, I'm hoping the police will now start looking in another direction. Nope. He doesn't say that, but you didn't say that, did you? Maybe he did and they cut it out again. That's, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we're giving him a lot of benefits of the doubt here. Yeah, because he's had a lot of opportunities to say that yeah. standard phrase that you're supposed to say. So now it's time for trial number four. And there's a new star in the show, the judge. Because Cal has decided to waive his rights to a jury trial. So the judge is going to be the one to decide. And the judge walks into the courtroom like big pimpin' Svendin G's is playing. He has an umbrella that he's using like a little cane kind of thing, like a cool pimpin'. And he has shades on and a bow tie, like a boss. When they say the line about the judge is now the star. I was like, oh, he was already a star. I don't know who that guy <laughs> he is. He was born a star. Yeah, he was. Because he's got that kind of, he has that snow white hair, but it's kind of long. It's like Ted Danson. Yeah, he's, I would be interested to watch a half an hour special on him. Oh, yeah. And find out about his life. Yeah. Unless he's like one of the judge, like in Pamela Smart, that judge was a total kiss up for the camera and wanted to be famous. I hate that judge. Yeah. So the defense focuses on something that someone heard Stacy Stewart say, which how is that not hearsay? Uh-huh. Apparently, he once said to someone that he was the last person to be seen with Michelle. But the way the defense person says it on the stand, not on the stand when he's giving his whatever, his opening statement or whatever, he says, apparently, he was the last person to be seen with Michelle. It worked. Why did he emphasize the word seen so much? I don't know, but I was intrigued and sold. And if I had been the judge, I would have been like, right. I was like, what is he talking about? It took me a second because I was so thrown that I was like, oh, yeah, the last person seen with Michelle. Yeah, that is suspicious. <laughs> I couldn't even place it because he said the word seen with such emphasis. But that's probably part of his opening thing. You know how they have like little mini speeches, right? So maybe his thing was see, hear, touch. Like maybe he went through all the five sensors of like how the case doesn't make sense or there's not enough evidence in any of these ways. And then at the end, he'd go, we've gone through sight. We've gone through smell, touch, taste, 
but I want you guys to use your gut. No, no, not your gut. It's just the judge making the decision. There's no jury. But Your Honor, I believe this is a case about more than all of the five senses. It's about the sixth sense. Intuition. Yes, intuition. Yeah, and we know you have it, Your Honor. Would have been better if the judge had been a woman. Oh, because he could have been like women's intuition. Yeah, yeah. We basically written your thing for you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm going to be sending a bill to your firm. So it's going to be for 49 cents, the same price of a sweaty (laughs) shirt on eBay. Yeah, there's a chain shortage. I need all the change I can get. But you know what's funny is that I had to go to the market the other day and I was stressed out about it because I don't like going to the market right now. Is it because you're the only one that says going to the market besides British people? I had to go to the store, the grocery store. And at the grocery store, there was a woman putting change into Coinstar. And I was like, hey, there's a change shortage. I wonder if you're supposed to be doing that right now. But it was so much change because I'm super nosy and curious. And I glanced at the total because- What was it? It was like over $180. No, in change? Yes, ma'am. Oh, wow. And she had this huge bag and she was like scooping a little bit at a time, just sitting there. And I was like, how long have you been collecting that change? And does that help with the change shortage if you put it in Coinstar or hurt the change shortage? I think it helps it. You're putting change into circulation, right? Or is Coinstar just pocketing all that change? They're not giving it back to the government. Coinstar is hoarding the change. Well, then the government needs to buy the change back from Coinstar. Right. But then are they going to mark it up? Can you do that? Can you sell a dollar's worth of change for a dollar and 10 cents? Not to the government. We better stop talking about this because I think that we don't know enough. I don't think we understand finance. I don't think we understand money. No, I don't think so either. I thought I could just get a private lake an hour ago. Did you really think that? Because I felt like this whole episode has been hinting very hard. We've mentioned Joni twice and you've brought up wanting a lake often, which is making me think that you're going for you're going big for this Hanukkah. Big. I want a lake. Real big. I want a lake. The last present. You don't get any other presents after this. uh, Okay. The lake. Okay. I'm just saying if you guys loved me, I would have had a lake (laughs) growing up. That's all I'm saying. So the defense wants to put Stuart Scott, Stuart, Michael Scott, Stuart Smith, Stuart, Stacey Stewart, Stewart yes. on the stand. Yeah. But now they can't find him. But I thought they had found him and he had said that he w- wasn't dating her. He didn't have sexual relationship with her. And then he went back underground. No, because he told someone else that. No, the thing he had told someone else was he was the last person to see her. No, the last person to see, see her. her. I can't keep up with Stacey Stewart and his life shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. So he's swinging Stacey Stewart. But I do feel like that's shady that they can't find him because I'm sure they had investigators for a lot of money looking for him and they couldn't find him. And that is very suspicious to me that he's very guilty of something. I think he's very guilty of many things. <laughs> Some petty Some not so petty. So the DA comes on strong. There's no evidence that Stewart had any relationship with Michelle or had any motive for hurting her. The only motive person who had a motive really is Cal. So the judge was terse. The verdict, brief. The opposite of how I'm talking 
I'm just going to keep going. You know when they say that and then they do a two-hour spiel and then at the finally at the end they go, and that's why my verdict is I hate that. Because the person that is just waiting to hear if they go to jail or not, and they have to sit for two hours and listen, it's just get to the point. That's why that judge is a star, because he doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to hear himself talk. He's not at Edo. He can just sit up there and he doesn't need it. He's got the star power already. So he just sits there, looks over his little glasses and says, my verdict in this case is thank you. Gavel. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Because I don't like when they go on for so long and everyone in the courtroom is like, it's like a ping pong match. And they're like, I think he's guilty after what he just said. And then they say something else. And he's like, that made it sound like he's not guilty. And they're like trying to read. They are milking their moment for all it's worth. Yes, they are milk. They have to sit there the whole trial and listen to these lawyers yammer on. It is my turn, son. My turn up here. On the stand, yeah. So now Cal is crying, and he says what I'm most sad about, and he's crying. Say the right thing. What I'm most upset about. So I'm, I leaned in, okay? Oh, you were right, yeah. I leaned in because I think he's going to say, because he's tearing up. He says, what I'm most upset about is that my children lost their mom, and we don't know who did it. But he doesn't say that, did he? He says... My best years as a parent are gone. I missed out on those years with my kids. That's what he's most upset about. And I'm like, Cal, did they cut it out again? Are they just editing this to make you look really bad? Or have you really not once said anything about how you hope Michelle's killer is found so she can have justice and your kids can have some sort of closure? But you've never said nothing about that. By not saying these things, he's saying so much. It's almost like he's borderline saying, I'm not saying she deserved what she got. There's no impetus. There's no like urgency from him from the beginning to actually find who did it. No, the only impetus is from the kids who set up a tip line. Mm -hmm. They actually do kind of want to know who killed their mom. And the thing is, if he really wanted to get, knew that he didn't do it and was trying to get off, even if he didn't care about Michelle because they were getting divorced or whatever, he would want her killer to be found because then he gets off. If the real killer's found, you get to go home. But he's not fighting for the real killer to be found. Even OJ pretended to want to find the real killer. Right. So he's pissed. He's cranky. He says the criminal justice system is unfair and filled with hypocrisy. And he seems like a touch of a little scary anger. Not that I want to understand it, a touch of righteous indignation and a touch of that police department's about to get sued. Which they do. I knew it. Huge. I knew it. But I think he lost. This only happened like last year. And he was suing for a lot. He was, he was, right? Millions, I'm sure. Suing for his best parenting years back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His best parenting years. Yeah. So do you think he did it? No, I, that was my question for you. What actually happened here? What are the chances that he didn't do it? Well, it's like the adage for doctors. Like if you hear hoof beats, think of horses, not zebras. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> Just because that's usually the case. It's most likely it was the husband that she was getting a bitter divorce from. It's less likely than she was dating another guy who was violent towards her and killed her that night for no reason. 
and made her body disappear, even though Cal had actually said to her, I will make your body disappear. So most likely, yes, but you can't convict someone on most likely. Is there enough evidence? I don't know. What do you think? I think you're exactly right. I agree with you 100%. I think most likely it was the husband that she was getting the divorce from who didn't seem to like each other very much. And she was maybe going to get more money than he wanted to give her. And lose the control. Right. And have to split time with his kids. And maybe lose the house. That that was like his precious house. I don't think he was going to lose the house, but maybe. If they wanted the kids to stay in the house and she was given custody, then she would get the house, right? Yeah. And I think, honestly, that's the hard thing is that there were all these other things, right? The things written in the notebooks, the things that she had told people, the phone call about the, him standing with the gun outside. Even if one of those things is true, just one, I would say 95% chance he did it. The blood was found in the garage. She was probably killed at the house. Were there any other leads at all? We don't find out because we don't know what the investigation was doing for four years before they focused on Calvin. But I think they were focused on him from the beginning. I think so, too, because when you look at him and he talks about it, it feels like he did it. It totally does. Totally. If he was talking to us the way he talked that day, which is how they made it sound that he didn't care that much, then that is suspicious. We try not to judge someone by their reaction purely because people's reactions can vary and some people just are less emotive. But the only time he cries in this episode is when it has to do with his kids or himself. He never cries talking about her. Okay. Can we check out a promo from our new friends, maybe? I don't know if they'll be our friends. I would like them to, but they sound really smart. Women in Crime is their podcast, and it's hosted by two female criminologists. Oh, we're not smart enough to hang out with them. They're like us, but way better. Like, actually know what they're talking about. And they talk about women in crime, women accused of crime, all sorts of stuff. They know what they're talking about, you guys. That sounds delightful and intriguing. Yeah. So check them out, guys. Hey, Dateline daters. Did you ever listen to a true crime podcast and felt like you're left with questions like, why did she do it? Or how could this have happened to her? Then you'll definitely want to check out our podcast, Women in Crime. I'm Amy Slashberg. I'm Megan Sachs. My co-host and I are both criminologists. We've spent our entire careers studying crime and both have firsthand experience working within the criminal justice system. Each episode, you'll hear a new female-focused case or topic deconstructed by experts. You'll hear the stories of these women, but you'll also learn why these crimes happened and whether or not the criminal justice system got it right or not. Crime is different for women. Come listen and learn why, as each episode, we talk women in crime all of the time. So hit pause and subscribe to Women in Crime today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Women A-N-D Crime. I mean, they're just better than us. They probably have private lakes. If not, they deserve them. They deserve it before you do. That's for sure. Maybe. I don't know. You you deserve a lake. Half a lake. A pond? A kiddie pool? No, I would say a half a lake. You can have a small kidney-shaped lake. Okay. okay. But I can't guarantee it won't be algae-free. There will be algae. Oh, yeah. There's going to be lots of things that are going to... But we can still go around it in one of those paddle boats where you paddle with your feet and we can ride around. I kind of like to get wet, though, without having 
like Paul on 90 Day Fiance being scared that a parasite is going to swim up his urethra. Can't guarantee that. So good times. B-roll bonanza. This investigator is showing us the rug. And did you notice the things that are marking where the blood stains are on the rug? They look like those paper reinforcements, you know, that you use in elementary school and junior high. Paper reinforcements. The little white stickers that are in a circle shape. What do you mean just elementary school and junior high? I used those in college. Okay, college. Fine, college. It's when you need the paper to stay in the binder, right? When the paper's ripping. That's what's encircling each of the blood spatter spots. That's very small. That's very small. And there's like three dozen of them on this rug. But I don't know how they're... But again, if you cut yourself in the kitchen... It wouldn't be a spatter like that, though. If you were like this? If you hit an artery, maybe. It'd be much bigger than that if you hit an artery. It'd be a huge drop. But maybe he wiped off those. Maybe he wiped off the floor. It's just very strange. It's very strange. And there is a lot more blood than that in the garage. Is there any blood between where that rug is in the kitchen and the garage? Yes, in the door frame. But nothing else on the floor? No, just on the door frame. Oh, this case is so weak, evidence-wise. It's so weak. Yeah, it's weak weak sauce. Weak sauce. Weak, weak sauce. At one point, we see Cal sitting on the dock with a dog, like a golden retriever. We see him sitting on the dock, walking around the lake with the dogs. He constantly looks like he's in an ad for... For REI. He's like in a rowboat. Yeah, I was going to say Viagra. Oh, yeah, that too. Or like, what's it called? Propecia? What's the one for your hair? Yeah, Propecia. But he's like in this sort of perfectly weathered red rowboat. It's not pretentious, but like in its unpretentiousness, it's therefore pretentious. Does that make (laughs) sense? Oh, it's like perfectly weathered. Interesting. And you're not painting it on purpose. So it looks like the lake boat. I can't. When he's being found guilty in court... They see, they show him, and he has three rubber bands around his wrist. Any ideas? Is he trying to quit smoking or something? Oh, maybe. They were like the chunkier kind. You know, there's like the really thin rubber bands and then a thicker. They were all three were the thicker kind that you would use around a deck of cards or something. And three, not four, because there's four children. But they're rubber bands. They were not like Kabbalah bracelets. But I'm, I'm trying to see if they mean anything else. Yeah. I only counted three, but maybe he doesn't like one of the children that much. I hope that's not true because they all seem to like him. Did they check the boat? For blood? I would hope so. I'm going to write it down. I don't know what I'm going to do with that information, but. Is this the time we could reach out to Keith and ask him questions? Maybe. You wouldn't let me ask about that one jacket if it was checked or... No, I'm not going to... We're not asking about clothes. We have to ask serious reporter questions. Remember Women in Crime? We need to be like that for him to take us seriously. Yeah, I want to be taken seriously. I want to be taken seriously to dinner with Keith is what I would like. I want to be seriously taken out to dinner Mm -hmm. and to have our questions answered. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I wish that we weren't wearing masks and not able to go to restaurants. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I wasn't socially awkward also when I go to dinner with people. Yeah, me too. I wish that too. Maybe we could invite Josh too. Oh, he would love it. That would make it worse though. So I don't know why I'm suggesting that. I would be just as nervous. Yeah, never mind. Don't throw in Andrea or I won't be able to eat a thing. Yeah, no, it's just over. The courthouse. I kept thinking they were in the church because that courthouse was ridiculous. 
Did you see it? It had like pews almost. Yeah, it was pretty. Upstate New York is gorgeous. And like dramatic lighting. Also, they do have a lot of crimes in the Finger Lakes because I get to see the Finger Lakes all the time. So You don't. You just keep saying it even though we're not even talking about it. Oh, I can tell you what Karen said, our Patronus. Yeah, I would like to know that. Her daughter babysat for these children (gasps) and did not get paid well. (gasps) Stiffed. Uh Uh-huh. But that's not even the juicy part. Wait, what do you mean got stiffed? Didn't get paid enough. I can't remember what she said. Interesting. Yeah. Not that she found a stiff, like, in the basement. <laughs> and that's where Michelle is. Sorry. That, was that would be joke. a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing. Okay. Okay. But the other thing is that she did say there's a lot of murders around the Finger Lakes. But one of her friends, who is a funeral director, said that the rumor around town was or at least the rumor amongst funeral directors, was that Calvin had a connection with a different funeral director who could cremate people, and that suddenly that funeral director came into a lot of money around the time of Michelle's disappearance. He's so guilty. Hence the reason she's never been found. And she said it's just a rumor, though. So when you said, like, he has connections all over town and has done people favors... I didn't want to say, but yeah, maybe he's done a funeral director a favor or two. There's money other than the car dealership. Because remember, the sister said the money wasn't the deal. There's plenty of money. Like that 700000 that he was going to give her is like, it seemed like that was the tip of the iceberg. But I think that not paying on babysitter, that also goes, he doesn't want to spend any of his money. He's a money hoarder. And so he wants to like keep it all for him. That is fascinating. Yeah. Okay, you have no titles, not a one. Sitting on the dock of the lake. You keep doing, you've done it. Contemplating murder. What about how to get away with murder? Because he kind of did. What about no body, but a body of water? Oh, that's good. It's not good. And you could do something better with it. It's right there. It's It's one of those where I'm just kind of there, but you could take it. You could touch down. Is that sports? I would have to write it down. I'll think about it. Can you get anywhere with tubs? I mean, a tub is a body of water. It is a body. That's a body of water, too. The Lady of the Lake, the rough hewn. I wrote Cal's X No because of Cal Expo. I don't know what's wrong with me. It was hot is what happened there. (laughs) And I used to drive by the Cal Expo sign all the time. Okay, how about quacking like a duck on Lake Kimberly? I love it. Okay. It totally makes sense and sounds like a Dateline title. It doesn't. That was a special title for you. That's what if you suddenly were hosting Dateline and I suddenly got to write the title. It would be something awful. It would be terrible because if like I ever got the chance to do it. But our titles are would actually be so bad. I would probably just call this The Lake. It would just be terrible. They'd be like, really? Indistinguishable from the other episodes that had to do with lakes. I feel like I would have to. I feel like it would need to like fit right in and not stand out. So really, Mystery at Empire, Empire Lake. Or Mystery House on the Lake, whatever. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Great title. That's great. That's no problem. Yeah, you didn't need a state line. You never did. Never did. They never (laughs) Never did. Not even for half a second. That was an interesting episode, but supremely frustrating. Yeah. 
But another one where I'm excited, I keep having these episodes where I'm like, I want to hear what people think. And then I get so many comments about some joke that you made about Drag Race or something. And I'm like, no, I really want to know, do you think they did it or not? And people comment on other things. This is why we need to start putting the episodes on YouTube, because then it would be right under the episode. People would be able to comment and then we could get a discussion going. Yeah, but you know what a cesspool the YouTube comment section is? I don't think we want those comments. I think that you can regulate them by word. But it's not going to show our faces. They're not going to be like, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Hey, <laughs> hey. I mean, they might, but oh, well, that's OK. Maybe somebody will be like, hey, I have a lake. Would you like it? That's not creepy. Let's make that part of the rules. Don't go. If someone says they have a lake, would you like to come visit? Don't do that by yourself. You're going to want to say yes, but don't. Take your own advice. You're listening to what you're saying, right? Oh, me. Yeah, I shouldn't do it. I will want to say yes for sure. Yes, you will. And you're going to have like a reason about why it's okay. And I'm just going to tell you flat out it's not in case you're going to forget this. Okay. Yeah, I probably... If they say they have a dog that I can play with. Right. This is how they're going to get you. They're going to like get they're going to cue in on all of these things that you like. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah. And there's pizza here. And it's free of all of the things you can't eat, but somehow still tastes like pizza. Like, no, they're going to get you. You can't. You got to stay away. You got to watch out for it. They've done their research and know about my food sensitivity issues. All of it. Wow. They deserve me then if they've done all that research. But I think they want to wear your skin as their yeah, skin. Yeah, I think so, So too. that's why I'm saying no. I think so, Like, too. they want you to be a skin suit. Better start moisturizing. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Where can they find us? Date Dateline on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our Patreon. You get a bonus episode every month. And then we also do our monthly YouTube lives where we talk to people in the comments. It's really fun. So that is YouTube, but that's regulated because those are people. I'm not scared of those comments. Yeah, stay cool if you're in the hot zone like we are. And if not, please continue to wear your masks, even in the hot zone, even in the danger zone. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye. (laughs) She supposedly went to his house that Right. Excuse Um, me. Hold on. Stop. Stop. Just stop that sentence. I got a letter in. She's yowling outside. Oh, this is delicate. Yeah, it's hot in here. You don't want to be in here, do you? I if you go back by that door, yeah, she wants out. Filthy drama pet. Out or in. Make a decision right now. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. There's no food in that dish. Sorry, Adam. She's in, but she's gonna wanna go out, so this is gonna happen again because she's gonna realize there's no chips in here. Okay. Ran in, told Cal. The barb or Stop. Michelle's. It's okay. You're gonna have to start over anyways because she's. You're killing me. Sorry, Adam. Adam, do you want a cat? Let me know. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think they have a cat. Would you like another? Does it need a playmate? <laughs> Maybe an old cranky one who pees on stuff. Okay, go ahead. Is there a cat sticking their paw under the door? Four, four paws. There's two cats that have decided that whatever's behind this door they want in. Um. <laughs> so. Sorry, Adam. You have to take that out. Anyways, what I was going to say was, nope, it's gone. I'm so sorry. Thanks a lot, guys. All right.